Theology of the Body Institute. This is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hi, everybody. Hello. This is Wendy and Christopher West. We are back on our podcast. We have a special episode for you today. Mm-hmm. Last week, Matt Frad and I did a Facebook Live conversation about what it seems a heck of a lot of the people in the culture are talking about today, this Gillette ad, the best a man can get. It's causing quite a stir. And uh, there are a lot of questions that came in during the Facebook Live conversation that we were not able to address And I suggested we just pop them over here to an episode of the Ask Christopher West podcast. That's right. And I thought it would also be helpful, we actually got this in the comments, that it would be helpful to have a female perspective on some of these questions. So I have my lovely wife, as usual, as part of this. Thank you for inviting me. As she uh, mistakenly often calls it, our cod pass. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Wendy's in the house again, yes, and will always will be here. on this podcast, unless, you know, something untoward <laughs> were to happen. Let's count on it. I'm happy to be here. No, let's not count on something untoward happening. Count on Let's me count being on here. you being That's here. Amen to that. Okay. So, if you haven't seen this Gillette ad, why don't you even pause the podcast right now, go down to the show notes, and click on there and watch it. It'll help you understand what we're talking about here today. That's right. And and I'm going to be sharing some questions from people who were watching the Facebook Live when it was right. um, happening. Uh, and some of it is is comments rather than questions. And some of the questions are related to the conversation that Christopher and Matt were having, which went beyond simply commenting on the commercial. But I think it's all interesting and good to think about. And actually, I'll just share with you a funny thing, which is that, um, you know, we like to tell little funny things from our lives that Christopher actually kind of worked for Gillette. Is this like a a full disclosure here? (laughs) You know, many years ago. (laughs) I mentioned this in the Facebook thing that I I had, I had, (laughs) I was a professional shaver. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) (laughs) They would do these studies. Yeah. Uh, There was a Gillette lab near where I lived in Maryland in the early 90s. And they would do these studies on guys' faces. And and I was, as my wife knows, maybe you want to share some of this, Wendy. Why uh, why was I the perfect candidate oh, for this? Christopher has some real sensitive skin, and shaving can kind of just really Wreck irritate my face. his face. And his bleeding and rashes, and it's not fun. Not fun. No, no. So that's why, actually, people will often see me unshaven. Yeah. I throw that out because mm-hmm. I can't shave every day. But Gillette made me shave every day for these studies. <laughs> yeah, he, he would agree to do it and they'd study they were trying to find things that helped the very problems he had. That's so right. That's interesting. So to be my part of face that. helped to develop some of the Gillette products. There I have go. no zero association with Gillette today. No. Uh, so anyway, just a funny story from it my is. past. But why don't we dive into some of these questions? Yeah. What do we have here, Wendy? Yeah, I wanna share with you some comments and questions. So um it did not actually say this in the commercial, but there is an expression in the culture that talks about toxic masculinity. And that certainly came up in the conversation on Facebook. And um, one of the questions from Juan, he asked, based on on just some of the sharing that Christopher and Matt had uh, been talking about, he said, what is masculinity? 
are there objective elements of masculinity? And finally, does toxic masculinity exist at all? Great questions. What is masculinity? Here we have to have what John Paul II would call an adequate anthropology. Adequate. If you pick that part of word, it means equal to. We need a vision of the human person, male and female, that is equal to what a human person is. So what is a human person? John Paul II goes right to Christ to answer that question, because Christ, this is a quote from the Second Vatican Council, Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ fully reveals man to himself and makes his supreme calling clear. And there, of course, we mean man in the generic sense, all of us, the human being. Jesus Christ fully reveals what it means to be human. Jesus Christ fully shows us what it means to be a human being. That is a remarkable claim. And when we lose sight of that truth, we lose sight of who we are. A world that rejects God, a world that rejects God in the flesh, the the very concept of what a human being is will eventually disappear. And in a particular way, because Christ came as a male, he was born of a female, but he came as a male, Christ in a particular way becomes the perfect image of what a man is, what Mm -hmm. a male is meant to be. And I think we see it fully disclosed in the gift of his body on the cross. And here, here we're getting right into the themes of the theology of our bodies. Our bodies tell a divine story. There's a difference in the male and the female body, and it's not merely the end result of some biological meaningless evolution. We believe there's a God who's revealing something about who he is and and also revealing the truth of who we are in and through our bodies. So what does a man's body tell us? A man's body doesn't make sense by itself. A woman's body doesn't make sense by itself. But seen in light of each other, We discover, unless we're blind, we see in light of the difference of masculinity and femininity, we see the call of the two to a holy communion. We see the call of of man and woman to become a gift to one another. This is not only revealing something true about what marriage is, it's revealing something true about what a man is and what a woman is. Whether we're ever going to be married or not in this life, inherent in the the mystery of masculinity and femininity is a call to be a gift. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we see right inscribed in a man's body this call to to give himself away. And we see inscribed in a woman's body this call to, to open to receive this gift, conceive the new life and bear it forth. Now that that's again that doesn't mean everyone is called to marriage, but everyone is called to love. And, and every genuine form of love, and this is right out of a document from the Pontifical Council for the Family called The Truth and Meaning of Human Sexuality, every form of love, it says, will always bear that masculine, feminine dimension, a, a difference, a complementary, complementary difference that is a call to communion and a fertility, some form of life-givingness that comes from that. So I would say at the very essence of masculinity Mm -hmm. is the call to be a gift. Uh, We see this uh, exemplified in Christ saying, love one another as I have loved you. Uh, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. 
it's essential. We don't even tend to think this way because we, we've spiritualized our faith and we erase the body from it. We erase sexuality from it because we don't know how to reconcile spirituality and sexuality. But it is essential that there is a male hanging on the cross and a female at the foot of the cross because it's the, it's the man who gives that gift. This is my body given up for you. It's the bride who receives that gift. And here, Mary is the symbol of the church as the bride, and we don't have to be all concerned about, well, that's his mother. It's These are symbolic and kind of archetypical, mm. archetypical truths. Um, so, so here we have the perfect archetype of the masculine and the perfect archetype of the feminine at the foot of the cross, the new Adam, the new Eve. We see here a virginal gift of the masculine and the feminine yeah. that leads to new life. So, so all of this is to say we need a proper theology of the body in order to answer the question, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be mm-hmm. a woman? And on that note, I would strongly encourage listeners out there to consider coming to one of the Theology of the Body head and heart immersion courses that we teach through the Theology of the Body Institute. And there's one coming up March 17th to the 22nd here in Pennsylvania. It's going to be taught by my dear friend and colleague, Bill Dunahy, and it will rock your world. Mm. Uh, if you really want to get into the depth of the answers to these kind of questions, what is the best a man can get? What is the best a woman can get? Mm. And if we want to talk about, you know, the part of the question here was, is there such a thing as toxic masculinity? And Christopher, actually, before you address that, could I just say something? I just had please. some comments to yes, share please, about please. what you've already said, and that might lead into yeah. some further thoughts about toxic masculinity. But I was listening to your talking about Christ revealing man to himself, and I was struck by your quote that when Christ said, love one another as I have loved you. And he said this to a group of friends. And to imagine a man being comfortable saying to a group of friends Mm. from his heart, (laughs) I love you, you know, Mm. like, and to be utterly at peace in himself to be able to say this to a group of friends and to know it's speaking truth and it's absolutely right that he loves his friends. I think that was a beautiful, it kind of went by and then my mind just caught hold of that. Like what a beautiful image of a man identifying himself with love, because maybe we have images of masculinity that are resistant to the call to So here's where my mind goes when you say that. I go back to a 1980s song, which is a very usual thing for me to do. Mm -hmm. My head is full of these lyrics, but I'm remembering this John Cougar Mellencamp song, Check It Out. And there's a line in there where he says, he's kind of complaining, he's he's going on and on about problems in the world, and he says, uh, you can't tell your best buddy that you love him. And that that line, I remember hearing. I was eighteen years old when that song mm-hmm. came out, and and I remember that tapped something in my heart. What what is it that makes it difficult for a man to tell another man mm-hmm. he loves him? And I'm not necessarily saying that if it would not reach a person in a way that they could receive, it may not be the words to say, but the sentiment in the heart yep. is a beautiful calling for masculinity. And another thing I was thinking about as you were sharing about the call to be gift is that it can be a little dangerous to get too specific about what are masculine characteristics because 
we know that there are many different men and many different women who have different characteristics. Right. So we don't want to like characterize in a way that's limiting. Make, you make it an absolute. Right. But I think that the concept of call to gift could cause both men and women to look at what are my characteristics. And for many men, there could be, say, physical strength mm -hmm. as a characteristic. For, you know, there could be um, sort of a, an ability to focus, be a problem solver in a very focused way. That's not describing all men or eliminating women from that. But what I'm saying is to look at one's characteristics and say, how can I put this at the service of others? How can I, being who I am, with my characteristics, make a gift of these to others somehow. So I think that image of Christ on the cross making a gift of himself can translate into recognizing our whole being is, first of all, a gift from the Lord, and it can also be placed at the service of others. So I felt like that, you know, the second part of the question, does toxic masculinity exist, maybe just looking at that question of self-gift yeah. might be a way to look at that. I think you're right. We we both know we knew getting into married life when when were we married? 1995. <laughs> 1995. <laughs> we knew that we were called to be a gift. We knew that. We mm -hmm. came into it knowing that. Mm -hmm. And yet we have struggled to recognize yeah. one another as gift on occasions, sure. right? Yes. Why? I mean, that, that's a question. Why is love so difficult? Mm. Why can it be so hard to fulfill what seems like a very simple truth? We're meant to be a gift. And I think this gets into the toxic part. Mm. We're broken. Mm -hmm. We are fallen. We have inclinations that are selfish. We have inclinations that are, are not leading us in the direction of being a gift, but are leading us in the direction of <laughs> being prideful, selfish, egotistical. Right. And so those aspects of our fallen humanity are toxic. Mm. And we, we know this in our, in our mm -hmm. you know, years of married life, that the pain we've, we've caused one another, the struggles we've had. But I think it is wrong to speak of masculinity as toxic or femininity as toxic. Yeah, and some of the uh, comments were going in that direction, and, and what you brought up about femininity, there were several comments about what about toxic femininity and, yeah. and what would that look like. And I'll just share a comment from yeah, Emily sure. uh, who said, I can display toxic femininity when I always correct my husband and refuse to see his point of view. Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. was something that came up in the video and the discussion about men correcting women yep, say in yep. the workplace. I want to thank, and what was her name? Emily, and she also concluded with, I recognize that and need to be better. So she Bless you, Emily. That. Yeah. See, see, this is how we begin to heal. This is how the tension mm -hmm. between the sexes can become a source of healing, where we both acknowledge where the toxic elements are. And I, I want to call it toxic elements rather than toxic femininity okay. or toxic masculinity, mm -hmm. because I, I never want... Again, to have an adequate anthropology is to recognize the fundamental goodness of our humanity that is tragically fallen, right? We are fundamentally good, but tragically fallen. And it's the fallen aspect of our humanity where we find the toxicity. So 
the healing happens when, like Emily confesses, I see this in me. And for a man to say, I see this in me. And when we, we rather than just men against women or women against men, when we can humbly recognize together where our fallenness, our selfishness, our ego gets in the way, and we put that in the light and we ask for forgiveness and we learn how to show mercy, mm-hmm. then healing is, is happening. Healing's underway. It is. There's a comment along these lines about both being fallen that maybe taking it a little deeper into masculine and feminine experiences. A comment from uh, Jim said, as a man, given how physically and sexually motivated I am, I have often thought that women are less sinful because they are not plagued with somewhat constant sexual thoughts. That's maybe not an uncommon Mm -hmm. sentiment, although maybe not often discussed. And maybe what Jim's even saying there is kind of relates to to Matt Frad asking in in the video, could Dove have put out a a video about toxic femininity and how would that be received? Like there's almost like an accepted notion that there's something, as Jim is putting it, more sinful about yeah, men yeah. or something. So I think that's, you know, a valid point to consider more. Yeah, I think we can tend to think that way. And and as a stickler for language, I wanna I wanna phrase it this way. It's sexual thoughts are not the problem. It's lustful thoughts that are the problem. I make my living thinking about sexual things. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean it's I make my living writing about the mystery of human sexuality. It's not just as I was saying earlier, it's not masculinity per se or femininity per se that is toxic. We can't say that sexual thoughts per se are the problem. What is a problem is lustful thoughts. So let's define that term. A lustful thought is treating another person as a thing, as an object for my pleasure. St. Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is beautiful, whatever is right, whatever is noble, think on such things. And there's nothing more beautiful, glorious, noble, and true than the the glory and splendor of our creation as male and female in the image and likeness of God. Mm. So we should never speak or think uh, that, speak in terms or think in terms that would lead us to believe that sexuality itself is sinful. Sexuality itself is the problem. Sexuality itself is toxic. No, 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 no. It's the fallen aspect of it that is the problem. And the good news always is that Christ came into the world to restore creation to the purity of its origins. And I'm going to give another uh, shameless plug for people to consider coming to the, the Head and Heart Immersion course, March 17th, to the 22nd. Bill Dunahee's going to be teaching it. You can learn more at tobinstitute.org. Uh, we've had between five and 6,000 people come to these courses over the last 15 years, and it's a life-changing experience. People come from around the world. Uh, you will not be disappointed in, in considering. If, you, if these topics are, are pressing in your life, if you really want some deep, thorough answers, John Paul II has given us to them, given those answers to us in his theology of the body. And I'm I'm forgetting, I'm so sorry I went off on this little shameless plug and I forgot. Am I am I addressing Jim's question, Wendy? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when we look at just the frequency of both in physically and in thoughts, that a man experiences a greater, I don't know, preoccupation. Right. Um, I think 
part of that we've seen as um, the call to initiate that is put in a man's right. body and the challenge of, of really fully embracing a noble manhood is knowing how to direct that toward the good yes, in yes. all kinds of situations and to have objective standards of of respect for God's order, of respect for vows, of respect for the ways that our bodies can speak truth or falsehood, all of that, you know, being integrated into the man. It's not something that you think about one time and then it's all done. Right, it right. keeps being presented and it keeps being presented to women as well to continually call us, you know, to seek grace and to seek to be transformed and place ourselves in union with the, the true call of that calls for man real and woman. Honesty, yes. where we're willing to look at where we are off in our hearts mm-hmm. and where where something in our heart needs to be rearranged, mm-hmm. uh, healed. But maybe, Wendy, you could speak to Jim's part of his question, if I recall correctly, was, is there something more fallen in men than in women? You know, we can have this this idea that it's the guy's fault. Mm. And I think that's because maybe our sinfulness is maybe a little more, sometimes it's a little more obvious in terms of the of our the way we're wired uh, sexually. But I would love to hear you as a woman speak to this idea. Are, are men more fallen than women? How could that be possible? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, certainly not. I think we can just sort of laugh at the suggestion. And yet, you know, even though it's it seems humorous when we're in kind of an objective mindset, you know, in the subjective experience, it can be a question that comes up. Jim's comment isn't the first time that right. that has ever come up. Jim, I can relate to your question. I just sure. want to tell you I can. I I, I mean, I, I know in our marriage, I, I've, I've, I've been inclined to think, it's mostly my fault. All the problems are, yeah. It's mostly He's like my fault. overly taking responsibility for things that are, are issues for us as a couple. So, yeah, I can definitely see that. And there could be something of, in your masculine desire to to sort of lead and, and shine a light, you know, that feels frustrated that you have struggles that you don't see women having the same struggle. But whether a woman's um, struggles are different. We're certainly not less sinful, even though our struggles are are different. I think uh, an insight from John Paul II that's coming to mind right now, which is very important here. He's, you know, in the the blame game, uh, we have Adam blaming Eve. It's the woman you put here with me. It's her fault. Right. And this has kind of throughout history been uh, a recurring theme where, where men blame women, women blame men, John Paul II says the original sin is the sin of the couple, mm. which is very insightful. Mm-hmm. So the the very reality of how sin came into the world, John Paul II says, in a way, it came into the world through the very heart of the unity of man and woman, where something in their relationship at the very heart of their unity got got skewed. It's mysterious. We can't put our finger on it, but we, we certainly feel any anyone in day-to-day relationships, whether you're married or not, we're interacting with the opposite sex, and there are frictions, there are tensions, there are difficulties. And and that goes back to something, there is a flaw in our humanity that's called, that we call as as believers, we call original 
sin. And it's, it's one of the most demonstrable truths of the faith, that there's something off. And it's not, mm-hmm. why is there evil in the world? It's not just there are evil people out there. It's so easy to look at, well, look at that's wrong, and that's wrong, and look at that, and that's wrong. But are we willing to look in the mirror and look at what is wrong in each of us? And I actually want to say something about that. There were several comments of, you know, it would be good to have a a woman's perspective um, on the commercial and even some saying, what does Wendy West say about this? So that was touching to me that people asked for my opinion, which Mm -hmm. is I humbly offer not to think that my opinion is the right one, but here I am and I'll share it. Please do. Um, What you just said about looking in the mirror, I thought was the things that struck me from the actual Gillette ad were, first of all, that they were taking a step from a man looks in a mirror to shave, mm-hmm. you know, so there's the connection right. um, with Gillette. In this very beginning of the ad, men are looking in the mirror, but they're concerned about what they're seeing, and they're they're not looking in the mirror with confidence and, you know, a sense of uh, their own goodness as men, but like with uncertainty. And then the commercial tries to bring up reasons that men could be experiencing a particular uncertainty about their masculinity because of things going on right now in the culture. And I think the commercial is trying to say, you know, you haven't necessarily been in control of all the things you have had. You've had images in media, in, you know, things that you've been told are funny. You've had maybe fathers or other men or even women saying boys will be boys. And I didn't really necessarily relate to all the things that the commercial was saying about boys physically fighting. But I think the larger perspective of that expression, boys will be boys, as a way to kind of dismiss things that maybe shouldn't be dismissed. That I felt like the commercial was saying, these are messages that have impacted you as a man, sort Mm -hmm. of addressing Mm -hmm. itself to men. And then later on, it you begin to see examples of ways that men could challenge some of those messages of the culture. And then you're seeing images of men who look like they feel better about themselves. They mm-hmm. have a sense of direction. I want to be the best man I can be. I want to challenge other men. you know. And that's going to feel good to me. So that sense of like, in our perspective, you find yourself in the sincere gift of self. Like it's going to feel good. And then they they conclude with boys who have a hopeful look on their face. Mm-hmm. And I, so I felt like the overall messages were like, it's understandable to be confused about what it is to be a man. And yet you can have a sense of your goodness and your call to higher things. You can challenge others and that the future is going to benefit you know, in the, symbolized in the, the boys at the end of the commercial, kind of looking hopeful, you know. So I, I felt like those overarching messages were what were positives for me. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like some of the attempts to kind of show specific examples were maybe a little clumsy or ineffective in the commercial. Yeah. But I, I appreciated that overall message. It's kind of become uh, like a Rorschach test. <laughs> you know, you, people see the same shape in different ways in yeah. the Rorschach test. You know, yeah, what yeah. do you see here? Do you see a butterfly? Do you see yeah. clouds? What do you see? Uh, I have found it interesting looking online at different, you know, YouTubers and what they've been saying. And this one guy, he saw that there's that 
a woman in a very tight shirt. She's walking down the street. This guy's kind of eyeing her, and he goes to to move to to talk to her. And this other guy stops him, says, "That's not cool, man." Mm-hmm. And he took that as Gillette is saying a man should never talk to a woman. Mm. A man should never uh, approach a woman that he finds attractive. And he and he went on and on. I thought he had some valid points about, hey, if we are if we are telling men. Number one, they shouldn't be attracted to women, and when they're attracted to women, they shouldn't converse with them, shouldn't ask them out. He says, we're in trouble as a, as a culture. And I say, if that's what it's saying, yeah. But that's not the way I took it. Again, here, that's why I'm saying it's kind of like a Rorschach test. Different people are seeing it in different ways. Like, you, you come with your own lenses. Mm-hmm. And I was coming with my frame, and my frame in which I was seeing it was, this guy was, was lusting after her. He was treating her as an object uh, it wasn't just mm-hmm. an innocent guy, oh, I'm attracted to this woman, I'm going to go ask her out. It was, no, it was charged, the way I saw it, was charged with this woman is an object for me and I'm going to gratify myself at her expense. And if somebody's interrupting that and saying, hey, that's uncool, and if that's what it is, then I say, yeah, that is uncool. But it did, it gave me another perspective to say, okay, is the culture just emasculating men here? Is the culture telling us that uh, it's wrong for a man to be attracted to a woman, and this is sexual harassment itself just to be attracted to a woman. Mm-hmm. And or- that's where I felt like some of the examples were a little clumsy and open to you know different interpretations. Yeah. They weren't clearly illustrating something necessarily. I want to just hold this out. If, if you're still wondering uh, about this Gillette ad and the impact it's having on the culture, I would just hold this out as uh, two extremes to avoid. Number one, the first extreme would be there's nothing wrong with men, <laughs> right? And a lot of guys are reacting. Uh, the, Gillette's telling me there's something wrong with me. That's that's BS. Well, there there is something wrong with us as men because we are human beings and human beings are fallen. And there's a certain brand of fallen masculinity. That doesn't mean masculinity itself is toxic, as we've been saying. But that's one extreme. There is something wrong with men, and we shouldn't pretend there's not. The other extreme would be to believe that masculinity itself is the problem. And that would be also another error. And here we can see the wisdom, the great wisdom of 2,000 years of the church's reflection on these questions. That we are not utterly depraved on the one hand. Some Christians do believe we are utterly depraved. Catholic Church does not believe we are utterly depraved, but we are fundamentally good, but tragically fallen. Those are the two truths that we have to hold together. I think where where the Gillette ad, and this came out in my conversation with Matt Frad, what the Gillette ad cannot offer us is the path out, the the real Mm -hmm. solution to the problem, which is Christ fully reveals to us what it means to be human. Not only does he show it as a model— No, he doesn't just say, here, be like this, try really hard. He's not just a coach on the sidelines saying, go ahead, try real hard to be human. No, he really gives us the grace Mm. through his death and resurrection as we open to it and we receive it concretely, the grace of his death and resurrection in the sacraments of the church. Concretely, this grace reaches us. As John Paul II says, the real power of holiness, the real power, which is to say, the real power to live our authentic humanity reaches our bodies. It reaches body and soul through the sacraments. So we are fallen, 
but we're fundamentally good. We're fundamentally good, but we're fallen, but we can be redeemed. We are desperately in need of redemption, masculinity and femininity. Absolutely. Desperate, desperately, we are in need mm-hmm. of redemption. Where does Jesus perform his first miracle? He comes to a wedding. Why? John Paul II tells us that not only is the original sin the sin of the couple, but redemption comes to us through the new Adam, who is the redeemer, and the new Eve, who is the redeemed. Mm. Right? We have the new Adam as the redeemer and the new Eve as the redeemed. And it, the first miracle Jesus performs is at a wedding for a reason. The whole question of masculinity and femininity is not a side issue or a footnote in our faith. It's the, it's the lens through which we see the whole story. The Bible begins with the marriage of man and woman. It ends with the marriage of Christ and the church. Christ wants to marry us. Amen. Our masculinity and femininity reveals that. And, and we can attest, uh, sure enough, to the struggles that that involves mm-hmm. in seeking to live that out. But we can also attest to the new wine that is available. Yes. And if we drink of it deeply, it really does have its effect. Absolutely. Any final thoughts, Wendy? I just want to speak to men. I just want to say thank you. Thank you men for embracing masculinity. It's a it's a call that is incredibly challenging. There's a deep vulnerability down inside that comes with being called to be an initiator and a guardian of the gift mm. that I so appreciate men for being, you know, an example of Christ to women, to for being willing to suffer for the truth. So all you wonderful men out there, I want to thank you for all that you um, are as a gift to us as women. Thank you, Wendy. That, that brightens my heart to hear you say it. It reminds me of something I loved about you and I found mysterious and exciting when we were meeting and dating and falling mm-hmm. in love that you really loved men. <laughs> like you really, you really did. Like you, <laughs> sure. <laughs> you, you, like you had lots of men in your lives who you admired. Yeah. And you, you would tell me about these men and how you admired these men. I was like, wow, this woman really loves men. And that's good because I'm one of them. <laughs> oh, for real. It's a real blessing to me. And it, it was you had a love for, for, for men in a way that I had never encountered in a woman. It wasn't like a graspy uh, thing. It wasn't like an idolization of men either. It was a real love for men as persons. I remember you saying, I remember we were walking around a lake in Gaithersburg, Maryland, yeah. and and we had just been to a friend's wedding. We were newly engaged, right. and and you were you were telling me that you you loved. You said life is coeducational. I I, I always want to be around men. I, I want to. I've learned from men. I like going to school with men, and I remember sitting back thinking, that's I've never encountered such a genuine love for men <laughs> in, in a woman before. And I all these years have been the main beneficiary of your love men. So thank you. Thanks. Thanks for loving me and my masculinity. You're welcome. That's all we have to share uh, about that Gillette ad for now. But we do want to invite you, if you would be willing, to give us a review. Your reviews are very helpful for us. If you have questions you want to ask us, uh, you can go to askchristopherwest.com and plug in any questions there. We would love to answer your questions on a future podcast. If you would like to learn more about that class through the Theology of the Body Institute, 
You can look at the show notes there. Go to tobinstitute.org. Again, that class is March 17th to the 22nd. We also have an offering for you of a free online little mini course, which you can learn more about by going to askchristopherwest.com forward slash free course. Until next time, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the Ask Christopher West podcast. Podcast. (laughs) The Ask Christopher West podcast comes to you from the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione and production by Sounder and Key. (laughs) I was a professional shaver.